Hey everyone, and welcome to the Salt Lake Board of Realtors podcast. This podcast is designed to provide you with some interesting insight on things you need to know to make yourself a better and more successful realtor. My name is Scott Robbins. I'm with Summit Sotheby's, and I'm also your 2019 board president. I'm John Gonzalez with Southtown Mortgage. I'm Crystal Bond with Truly Title. Alicia Holdaway, also with Summit Sotheby's, and I am your incoming 2020 board president. Well, thanks for being here, Crystal. And what we wanted to really get into today is what things do you like to see from us, practices you'd like to see from us as realtors and what makes a file look easy or become easy or what are the pains you see? You know, it's extremely important for us to have detailed information. So right off the bat, if you get a listing or you go under contract on a property, we need all the paperwork that you would be would think of submitting to your brokerage as well. So listing uh, documents, MLS, um, anything that's signed by the seller that would be applicable to the transaction in a way that it would affect the figures involved. Okay. Even setting the seller's disclosures can be helpful because Ooh, there's contact information in there at times for the homeowners association yeah. or details that we may be able to catch um, an item that you know maybe we wouldn't if we didn't have that disclosure. And when you say HOA information, so is it common practice for the title representative to contact the HOA? and get all of that stuff or are you, what do you, what's the purpose from a title perspective of what you need to contact the HOA for? We need to contact the HOA right away because the, it affects the figures involved. It's going to, there's going to be dues that need to be prorated, yeah. set up fees that need to be added to the buyer statement or the seller statement, oh, depending good. on what you've negotiated in that contract. Mm-hmm. And those numbers, if they're given, if we have that information early on in the process of an under contract transaction, we can give that to the lender more quickly and they can have better disclosures. And so the buyer, the buyer or borrower is looking at real figures that are more accurate. And that is our goal. How often do you contact, have in contact with the lender? We have contact with the lender as soon as it's under contract and typically once it, the inspections are complete is when we start to really work heavily with the lender to get them what they need for the process. At times, though, we start working with them when, once it's under contract. They right. need fees right away. And okay. again, if on listing we knew the, the HOA and we had collected some of that information up front, we could put that on the disclosure on right away. And the lender's just needing to get out the, the uh, loan estimate. And uh, that's, that's something that can be added right away. That's interesting. Okay. Would you agree with that, John? I would. I would agree exactly with that. And along those lines, the HOA setup fees and the transfer fees as well. That's a big one. The pesty transfer fees. Yeah. And we've, in some areas, we've seen those, you know, really impact the buyer's ability to qualify or their cash to close because we, we've seen some really, really high setup and transfer fees that um, the agent may not be aware of. This is a hot topic for me because, you know, when you're looking at how do I make this as good of an experience for the consumer as possible, unknown fees at the end in an emotional financial transaction is a sure way to really blow things up. Things could have gone really well, and then suddenly there are transfer fees, reinvestment fees, whatever you have with an HOA that come at the end that really can just screw up either on the borrower's side, their ability to perform, or even on the seller side, they now totally have different 
proceeds than they were planning on. So those are just such important information to get with the title company right out of the gate. We had one recently that there was a non-compliance with the Homeowners Association and it was costing the seller an additional $3,000 that they were not aware of until closing because that information was not given accurately. Interesting. So it sounds like you guys, the title and mortgage professionals, should be in contact quite a bit. I agree. Yeah. It just makes it go smoother. And what we like to see from the realtor is an email introduction with all of the paperwork and and the whole group in that email. What a concept. It is so lovely. And in that email, we also need the contact information for the buyer and the seller. It's extremely important to have that. We contact them immediately as well, and they, they need to be familiar with us. So you letting them know that you're the title company and the lender you know, may be contacting you for information that's personal. Here is the group that you're working with. That's also extremely important because we're asking them for things that they don't want to give. Most of us don't want to give out personal information. It's, it's a scary world with... Okay, I'm glad you said that because you know typically the title or escrow person comes in at the very end. And as you know, it can be 30, 45 days or whatever it is. But you get this phone call from ABC title person, Sally, says, hey, I need your social security number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, what? Who, are, Who you? are you? So I think that is a great thing to know up front. You know, this is the team I'm working with. Here's the mortgage person. Here's the title person. But I also think that's great to share with a fellow realtor that, hey, we are closing with XYZ title. My lender is this person. So from a listing side, you're like, okay, now I know who the players are and who I need to contact if something comes up. So that's key. So sharing that information as well. Yeah, having the HOA contact I think is a big one too, like you mentioned, Crystal. Yeah, it's not always easy to get that information. Unfortunately, it's not in the public record in the way that would make it easy on us. We We have to do some digging at times to find the contact information. But the seller has it, so they've been paying it, and right. they should have it. So it should be easy, but it isn't always. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the more think, contact information we have. I think oftentimes the even the listing agent isn't aware of some of those fees. I know with we talked about the HOA setup fees, transfer fees. There's also reinvestment fees. Again, those things can come as a big surprise later on and, again, affect the borrower's ability to qualify. So I understand, you know, Crystal's need to contact the HOA. Do you need to contact the HOA, too, to try we to get – So you both try to contact them just to make sure the bases are – covered is that what you're doing we do okay. we're asking for different things the lender may be asking for a condo questionnaire or something oh, that would affect yeah you know they have to know certain things that i don't necessarily need to know i need figures you just need, you need dues numbers. and and costs okay yeah and we need those fees up front so that we can disclose disclose properly on the buyer's side um the lender and title be, based on what the uh, lender needs they need to know how many months in prepaids, the HOA is going to require as well, right? Correct. So that you collect enough up front. And so obviously that applies to both of you. So condo questionnaire, what is the purpose? I don't think a lot of people know what it is. Tell me what the purpose of it is. Well, the main purpose of a condo questionnaire is to find out if the condominium meets Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines for financing. And um, so we have to order those in on and it's, it's going to depend on the loan to value as well for the buyer and how much they're putting down. And so when it, if it meets Freddie Mac Freddie Mac question, or needs, tell me, like, give me an example of, like, like I've heard, like, at least 10% needs to go to reserve or something like that. Like, what are the highlights that you really kind of look for? Oh, man, there's a lot of them. There, there are a lot <laughs> give me, of them. Give me a top two or three that you like kind of. Um, I, the occupancy ratio is, is one of the bigger ones. Okay. Um, we also need to look at, um, we need to look at whether that condo project is in litigation. 
So they, and we've had a lot of those. Um, I don't know if we want to mention areas specifically, but we've had a lot of those condo issues in certain areas where, you know, there's a big lawsuit with a developer, and those those can cause a, pro- a condo project to be ineligible. Can you still get a loan to, sometimes if there is a lawsuit? Or you, you can. Everyone, you you got to look at everyone. Yeah, it's going to come back again to loan-to-value and also the type of financing the borrower is trying to get, and okay. whether that's going to be owner-occupied, investment property, second home. I hate condo questionnaires <laughs> because the title people – or no, excuse me, not the title people, but the HOA people just hate filling it out, mm-hmm. and it takes two weeks to get them, and you're like, I need this filled out. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the condos now have gone to online um, – I guess companies that handle those, so it does make it a lot easier because they they get tired, I'm sure, of having to provide that information over and over again. So, uh, CondoCerts.com is a real popular one. So most of these are are have gone to those third party services. So if you had, if you could wave your magic wand, Crystal, and paint your ideal agent relationship in terms of just knowing that you're going to get to the closing table and it's going to be a celebration rather than heartache. What are the things that you want to see in a realtor to make sure that it's as smooth as possible throughout the process? Again, providing detailed information timely. So when you have an addendum, sending it right away is very helpful. Um, Any negotiations that are being completed and will affect that closing are important for us to know about. And so we need those changes to the contract immediately. You mean we have to send you all addenda? sure do. What? It's all agenda. Can't just show up at closing with it? And hope it all made it. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> really, I want you to look at your figures, you know? Like, we're going to look at the title figures. The lender's going to look at their numbers and what they're charging. And you as realtors need to look at what you're charging. It's extremely important that your commission's accurate. Mm-hmm. And we do have often where, because we do split closings in Utah, the buyer and seller are not closing at the same company. Right. And the listing agreement wasn't given to me as the buyer side of the deal. But if you provide me with the MLS, that shows me what the agent for the buyer is going BAC to get. Is. So you can give information. You may not have the other side's information, but mm-hmm. you can give me enough to make sure it's accurate. I had one yesterday or Friday that the it was based off of gross, but they had they had pre- presented as net to the mm-hmm. seller on the commission, and the commission was short two hundred and seventy dollars to the buyer's brokerage. Gotcha. The the broker for the seller did not go back to the seller. They ended up just writing a check to the other brokerage. Yeah. But you don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And we could, have, we could have avoided it. If they yeah. would have submitted the MLS yeah. form to us, we yeah. would have caught it. Yeah. But that brings up another hot topic for me. I have lots of hot buttons. That's okay. Realized. That's <laughs> why we have you here, Alicia. That's why you are here. It is actually a standard of practice mandated by the Division of Real Estate that we, as realtor practitioners, review the settlement statement. It is a minimum standard. If you are not doing that, it's a problem. So... Going back to what you're talking about, I mean, there are so many times that something comes up that is inaccurate that because we're in the transaction every single day, we may see right away, but title wouldn't recognize it because it wasn't in the documents they got. So another just very important piece as a practitioner, best practice, is that you're reviewing those settlement statements. Yes. When are you typically getting them out to the agent? The cool thing is that if the lender is doing the three-day you know, CD, and they're getting it to us on that day that they're sending it out to the borrower three days in advance of closing, then we're able to send those figures out three days in advance. But all lenders don't do that. They sometimes send the CD without even corresponding with us and send us the numbers a day in advance. So there's no, there is no rules there 
for if the lender sends us the closing disclosure three days in advance or not. Mm. They can they can they don't have to send it to title. So if you see it later, that is why. But at minimum, 24 hours in advance, I want the realtor and the lender to have confirmed the figures and be ready to go. And we, the borrower have their bottom line and the seller know what they're netting. I think yeah. that's that's the ideal goal. I think what? 24 concept. hours in advance. I think every seller is on pins and needles wondering what that dollar amount is going to be. And every buyer is, I mean, they have to go pr- prepare a wire, yeah. you know? I mean, they have to, every client wants to know exactly what that number is as soon as possible. Absolutely. So, John, is that a practice that, you know, when you send out the CD to the client, you're sending this the figures to title? Yeah, so what we're doing up front is um, I usually preface it with an email out to the client, the realtor, and the title company saying, hey, your loan's clear to close. We're going to be issuing a closing disclosure today. Or even if it's not clear to close, and we're going to be getting a closing disclosure out. We do that quickly. And again, it comes back to, I'm going to just jump in and mention what you said in, initially, Crystal, and that's about the communication and also, you know, when a new contract comes over, sending an email out to all the parties involved. And I love the reply all button on that first email. I think everybody should reply all so that we've got everybody's contact information. And not only that, we have their team's contact information as well. So like myself, I have a team email address. I have assistants. I want those individuals copied on any correspondent that's coming over. I would imagine the realtors are the same way. So yeah, getting back to your question though, yes, we we like that communication to go out early on in the process so that everybody's aware that a closing disclosure is going out. And you have to realize that all, all lenders are going to internally work the file differently. So if you want to talk about best practices, I think that for a realtor, their main job at that point is to communicate that, did it go out? Are we on time? And your follow-up, especially if you're working with someone you do not know, is extremely important mm-hmm. to make it smooth for your, your clients. Um, and the more you do that, the better the transaction's going to go. You hit on something that I think is key with anything. and We've talked about this before on the previous podcast. It's just communicating is that you know, today's Monday, we're supposed to close Friday. How are things coming? And if you're like, we're not even underwriting yet, whoa, okay, that's different. <laughs> I was under the assumption you went in last Friday. No, we no. Or, yes, you're in underwriting. We should have be out by tomorrow. CD release tomorrow. Three days, we're good Friday. What time will we close it on Friday? Set yourself reminders. Set yourself calendar reminders for so many days prior to settlement for different things. So many days after, I mean, before the finance and appraisal deadline. Mm-hmm. Really setting a standard in your own checklist to make sure that you're alerted to, re- to remind yourself. I don't yeah. know about you, but when the day goes through, like, I, I need reminders for everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so remind yourself proactively to check in with the lender, check in with title, whatever it may be. And that's what's great from, you know, when you have a real professional in title or, or mortgage, they're the ones being proactive, calling us, the realtor, go, hey, we're out of underwriting. We have a clear to close. When do you want to close? Well, and let's go back to the beginning. It goes under contract. Title then sends, prepares a title commitment that's a part of the, a disclosure deadline, right? So that needs to be sent out and the buyer needs to receive a copy. And we'll, in that email, say that there could be some things that we need to work on. And again, what you can do to help mm. is if we're working on something, you can set a reminder in a week to ask us if it's completed and do we have a new title commitment that's now clear of any issues that it had. We're working on so many files in a day and you know if we miss 
getting that cleared for you, then it can be a huge problem. So it's just, yeah, those little helpful, we're going to tell you what we see. We're going to help you as if you don't know how to read a title commitment, we're going to help you learn how to do that if you're talking to us and communicating. But eventually you want your team member to be doing what they're supposed to. It's really just like follow up for you guys, right? Yeah. Because we're, we're the professionals needing to do that, but we do, the reminders are helpful. Also, can we talk for a moment? You know, you mentioned the fact that we're split closing, and oftentimes, how often is it that the the commit, title commitment looks different from one title company to the next, from this from the other side? All the time, yeah. you know. I mean, there's little variances. Um, and again, if I'm working with the buyer, I don't have the seller's personal information, so I may have something on there that was cleared by their side, but I hadn't cleared because I didn't have their social. Mm-hmm. So we work with them to do that, and we try and get on the same board with the title commitment. So you're communicating quickly. with the other title we company. We are. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about the title commitment, the commitment that is ensuring the buyer is the seller side title commitment. The commitment right. that is ensuring the lender is the buyer side title. Right. So you really want the title commitment that's the seller's title company to be the one that the buyer looks at. Yeah, and looking at both. Right, and making sure that absolutely, they both look but the accurate. lender is going to make sure that what they need. Is I mean, that's there. that is their that is their security, and they're going to go through it with a fine tooth comb. So, you guys going through the one that the seller's title company is issuing is extremely important that's because really no, but the lender's not going to be reviewing that. They have attorneys, they have underwriters. These people know what they're doing. They're lending a lot of money. They are looking at that title report. So, that's a great point. And here's one thing that I love about my title person is she'll send the PR and go look at sixteen and seventeen. We're clear. We're this is unique, or this is something we got to do some more digging in, or whatever it is. Because you, you said I don't think anyone's really. I think there could be a class on just how to read a title report. Totally. I mean, no one. I don't think has ever really taught me how to do it, but I've done it for sixteen years. But you look at those exceptions and go, "That's weird. What is that?" Yeah, and think if we're doing this every day and don't have a clue how to read them. Yeah. When the buyer gets it, yeah, it's might as well be in French. So that's, again, going back to a, a good title person will call those things out and let you Correct. know. And in, yeah. that, in the top of that email, here are the things that we're working on. Correct. And I think the way that a realtor can just continue that good work is by following up. Okay, in a week, I want to see what you've done. Awesome. I mean, that, that sets you apart from your competitors Yeah. if you're doing yeah. that because not a lot of realtors are doing that. Agreed. They're just... They're, they're placing their faith in you, and they should, but it's always, what is that, trust but verify? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? That's good. So, and it's the same with the, t- with the settlement statement. When that goes out, you may know your people, and you may know they always know your fees, but you should always review. It's a minimum requirement for the real estate agent to review. That's it for this episode. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and help spread the word. If there's a topic you're interested in, hey, let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter, at SL Realtors or on Facebook at facebook.com slash slrealtors.